We live in challenging times. Design industries from fashion, food and beauty to consumer tech and interiors have shown themselves at their resilient best over the past few years. As we look to the future, this podcast explores how all creatives can adapt to changing expectations and create better futures for both their businesses and their consumers. I'm Bethan Ryder, Editorial Director here at WGSN, and I'm your host this week. You're listening to Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. In today's episode, we throw our spotlight on outdoor lifestyles, a topic we've been closely tracking at WGSN as the pandemic has shifted consumer behaviour, with many people embracing nature and activities in the fresh air. Alongside hiking and wellness trends such as forest bathing, we're witnessing an increase in what you might call social sports, from surfing to skateboarding, and currently in the Northern Hemisphere, a winter sports boom, and with it the rise of an associated aesthetic, gorpcore. So grab your activewear and let's take this week's episode outside. So here with me today to talk about this is uh, Joe McDonnell, our Head of Insight, who's uh, actually beaming in from L.A., Hi, Joe. Hello. Hello. It's very sunny here. How are you? Don't tell me that. I'm freezing in my shed. Uh, and we have Yvonne Kostiak, who's Senior Strategist for Active. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Bethan. Um, yeah, I'm in London. Nice and dark and cold today. And welcome to the podcast, because I think it's your first uh, time on the podcast. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I want to kick off really talking uh, to you, Joe, about why social sports are on the rise generally. Uh, we've seen sort of upticks in skateboarding, surfing, skiing, snowboarding, and I wondered what you, what the drivers are here for this. Well, it's, it's really interesting. There are so many drivers behind this, but I'll, I'll go through a few of the main ones. Um, obviously the pandemic, it kind of goes without saying, but, but for the last two and a bit years, um, the only thing that people have been able to do to exercise their freedom is is to go outdoors. So there's been a whole boom across the entirety of the outdoor industry as people look to stay fit, to stay healthy, um, to, to get time outside. But specifically on skiing, surfing, skateboarding, there's been a bump through the Olympics that, that we'll chat about in a little bit more detail later. But I also want to call out the um, what at WGSN we call the TikTokization, which is a bit of a mouthful. But basically what it means is that um, Gen Z in particular, going on TikTok, and it's incredibly aspirational, it's incredibly lifestyle focused. You get these really glossy, high production quality videos of people skateboarding. And then because of the, the interlinked digital ecosystems, you can basically have your interest peaked by skateboarding. You can go onto YouTube and you can watch a video that, that is Skateboarding 101, you can order a skateboard on Amazon and it can arrive the next day. So the barriers to entry have come right down and that's resulted in a explosion across a whole range of different sports that, that we're seeing at the moment. Brilliant. Yeah, I did see some fantastic uh, videos of uh, people also skating, roller skating, which really did uh, peak, it felt like, during lockdown, which were fantastic. I think the Olympics effect is particularly interesting because we had skateboarding and surfing as brand new Olympics, Olympic sports in 2021. And I know this is really sort of, there's a huge wave in the APEC, APEC region for some of these sports too. It's not, it's, it's very much a global phenomenon. So Joe, let's talk a little bit about that and what, what you've been seeing there. Yeah, definitely. So obviously the um, the Winter Olympics are COVID pending are going to be starting in, in Beijing next month. 
And um, the Chinese government's put a lot of money and investment into to the Olympics, but also to, to boost the sport and boost popularity of the sport within China. And there is a bit of a roll-on effect across the whole of Asia. Um, as uh, incomes increase in China, because obviously some, something that needs to be addressed is that, that skiing, snowboarding, they can be inaccessible because of the price point, because of the fact you've got to get to the mountains, you've got to buy a lift pass, you've got to um, rent skis. But um, the Chinese government's um, really, really pushing the sport and it's become really, really desirable. The other thing that's happened is that um, these, these sports have always been in the luxury space, um, particularly in Europe. You know, if you look at ski resorts like, like Courchevel, you know, there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of, um, of a kind of lifestyle energy there. But um, they have really embraced fashion and, um, and we're seeing a lot of uh, style changes across them. It's becoming even more desirable. It's becoming much more stylish for consumers. And especially in China, you're, you're getting a lot of people who are doing things like renting snowboards, renting skis, renting gear, and, and actually just spending time in the mountains and not really using them so much to get photos of social media because of that, that desirable lifestyle element as well. So there's a lot to unpack within that, but um, we're, we're seeing a boost across um, the whole world, really, because of the Olympics. All of these sports, as, as I call them to kick off, are social sports. And I think it's been really interesting, hasn't it, how much uh, you think it's sort of almost the opposite thing, that this should be boosted or be part of social media, because you imagine it's escaping the screen, right? But actually, Joe, there's been an incredible rise in apps, right, tapping into all these different sports and creating real communities. And that's something brands have been tapping into as well, right? Yeah, definitely. There's, there's been um, the, the TikTokization, there it is again, that word, and the, the impact of digital on, on all these sports is absolutely massive. So one of the other things that we're seeing emerge are um, collectives of people who, who maybe they find that their peer group aren't interested in hiking or aren't interested in, in skiing. And you can um, accept a link, you can join a WhatsApp with a whole load of different people who are interested in the sport. And they actually arrange trips almost every week and, and bringing these like-minded people together. So it's not even like you need your peer group to be into it to, to participate anymore. Um, Strava had an incredible year um, in 2020 and 2021. Strava, for anyone who doesn't know, is a um, kind of like an Instagram for sport. They, they track, um, I think it's, it's over 50 sports now. They started in the running and cycling space, but you can also track skiing. You follow your friends. You can see how far they've run, how far they've skied, their average speed. And it's really social. You know, you give each other thumbs up. You give each other kudos and comments. There's loads of badges. There's a gamification element. Um, you can form your own clubs and um, compete against other clubs. It's really, really social. And it is changing the way that we, um, that we think about sport. The other thing that... that equally is really interesting in this space is that we've all become so wellness focused. Health um, has been on the agenda massively throughout the pandemic and people have been looking for ways to stay fit, to stay healthy, to um, exercise and to also um, have, have the mental health benefits as well. And, and the fact of the matter is that not everyone wants to be in the gym. Not everyone wants to go down that kind of classic wellness route of um, yoga and, and kind of doing HIIT workouts. So there's been this huge boost in these alternative sports, things like paddleboarding. And then um, 
the final element of this that ties really nicely to the to the winter sports um, area is alternative ideas about what luxury looks like. So increasingly, um, luxury is all about time and experiences, and and a lot of those. Um, more traditional luxury markers of of kind of expensive products they're still relevant but we're also seeing this emerge particularly within within gen z who who would much rather be um be out there doing things and 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 out there um experiencing new things and and broadcasting that on tiktok there's a really famous um sound on tiktok which talks about what the new luxury is what the new rich is and it's spending time with friends and family and it's um being able to go hiking in the morning and Gen Z are using this sound to um to showcase their their outdoor pursuits and and their and their hobbies and it's it's definitely catching on. Brilliant. I love the competitive nature. Are you on Strava? Oh, ab- absolutely. And um in in 2020 and 2021, you know, me and my friends were doing um very competitive 5k's against each other and we'd keep them secret and then <laughs> you'd upload them onto Strava and you'd say, "Oh no." someone's beat my time and you know you drop everything and go out and try and, and try and beat them so it's um it's good natured but yeah it definitely brings out that competitive side and i think it's really interesting how this is uh, influencing fashion and that one of our top trends this year is the rash vest which i would never have guessed like five years ago or something for me as a parent it's something i like bought my two kids when you go somewhere hot right to protect them but this is now kind of looking to be the height of, of, of fashion this year and I'd love to hear from you Yvonne about how this sort of rise of social sports is permeating the fashion space and I think this sort of hybrid thing that's entering active wear what, what, what are you seeing there tell us about this sort of rash vest and what other examples are we going to be seeing yeah, the rush vest is a nice one because it has come from surf, um, but it's 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 a real cr- cross pollination between fashion and active, which is just continuing and it's really exploded recently. Um, for example, we're going to see almost a continuation of the rush vest in a way through the bodysuit. Um, so we've had these collaborations, like the one with um, Beyonce's Ivy Park with Adidas and Peloton, um, where there's this like really iconic. It's become quite iconic now. This like lime green bodysuit um, that's active wear, but could easily cross into um, like occasion wear, club wear. Um, we're calling it beyond the gym or beyond the beach, where we're seeing these pieces cross into parts of um, other parts of people's lives and we've even seen that um, picked up on some WGSN barometer data that uh, people's or women in particular incentive to buy sportswear is going beyond you know workouts leisure weekend there's a slight rise in buying sportswear for workwear and for occasion wear. I mean I think of it you know four years ago it would be the kind of lycra clad mums at the school gates would sort of be you know it started to see you started to see it right but now it sounds like it's really uh taken off and presumably part of this is to do with we've all been comfortable we've all been slouching around at home a lot of people rather around the world in in the most comfortable kind of sweatpants so people want that even when they're glammed up now is this what what you're seeing yeah i mean it's definitely something that's being i think pushed by the younger audience as well the gen z because they're mixing and matching their wardrobes. Um, but we're, again, we're seeing it actually across the board because of people's lifestyle shifts. 
So if, for example, you're now working from home, you might want to do like your HIIT workout on your mat, but then go straight to your laptop for a conference call. So it's having really interchangeable pieces um, is just going to become part of people's wardrobe a lot more. And I think also the what interests me is when I look at what Gen Z are wearing a lot at the moment is this Y2K look with the cargo skate pants and the very tight tops. I mean, it seems to to me there's sort of a weird chiming there as well with this, which is just I don't know, coincidental or, but but I find that fascinating that we kind of got this nostalgia for Y2K and that is also actually quite a sporty look. Yeah, I mean the last time surf and skate kind of really infiltrated. Um, mass culture probably was in the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, you have films like Keanu Reeves and Point Break or later on, like the chick flick Blue Crush. Um, It was like, even if you didn't live anywhere near the sea, you were kind of like buying into surf brands. So there's almost like a resurgence of that. Um, But this time round, it's it's driven. I've got, I think it's got different drivers. We're kind of like, we're ripe for um, surf and skate to come up again. Um, but what's interesting from an active wear perspective is all of the individuality that's coming through this time and the different voices um, that are quite different from the past where, for example, in the past, skateboarding was a bit more masculine. It was driven maybe by guys and even more recent, it was more about like the must-have supreme pieces. But since the Olympics, um, which has been a really big impact in skating, we're seeing these amazing young female athletes come to the fore. So a couple of my favorite um, is Brazil's uh, Raisa Leal. So she won silver in um, the Tokyo Olympics when she was only 13. She's just turned 14. Um, But she's just very authentic. Um, She has completely her own style. And it's a similar story with Sky Brown, who I'm a little bit obsessed with. So she competed in the Olympics for Great Britain. I think she also got silver. And um, I think she was 12 or 13. And again, um, but she's actually incredible. Like, she's mind-blowing. She, like, she almost died doing her sport but she's so passionate about it but they're just um they have this like love for their sport love for their community and it's all about their individuality and the self-expression rather than being so important about the look but hand in hand I think that is bringing this really nice relaxed individuality and even like gender fluidity um coming through in these really expressive sports I know you've published a couple of reports recently, Joe, on Insight about kind of this uh, moving away from the white bro club reputation of winter sports, which actually are expensive, as you said before, or have been seen as very um, expensive pursuits. But there's now this move across the board, right, with these social sports to this inclusivity point of view. And I think that's really exciting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot to unpack in this space. So um, I think a a really interesting thing that, that at the end of end of last year was um, 
Nims Perja, who, who climbed the 14 summits in two months, the 14 highest summits. And he actually, after when he did it, which was the previous record was about seven years or eight years it took someone to do it. He did it in two months and he came out and said if he was a, a Western climber, it would have got much more attention. And really, it was only the Netflix documentary that, that pushed it onto the radar for a lot of people, um, this incredible feat, and, and really pushed him into the spotlight. But, but we're starting to see more and more of these, these bigger scale stories come through. So there's a couple of headlines here that I'm going to read from, from the last few months. So um, the first all-female on the Pauli team summited K2 um, last year. The British Sikh army officer becomes the first woman of colour to solo ski across the South Pole. And um, a mountaineering group um, is aiming to be the first all-black team to climb Mount Everest. And these are stories like this and records like this are beginning to, to permeate into the consciousness of, of what the outdoor industry means and, um, and who has access to it and, and who can kind of participate in it. Because previously, it largely has been a, a white bro club, um, but that is slowly changing. And actually, these headlines are um, giving rise to, to more diverse groups. So there's a few groups that I want to specifically call out. So um, there's a collective called Unlikely Hikers, which is a group of um, of people from all sorts of diverse backgrounds who are united in the in the fact they want to spend time outdoors, that they want to um, they want to be in nature. There are um, more specific local groups. So in the UK, there's there's a group called Black Girls Hike. There's also a influencer called the Hillwalking Hijabi. There's another group called um, Muslim Hikers, and again, these are people who are united by. Um, by their love of the outdoors and, and are trying to foster a more inclusive creative space. There's also the, the, the hashtag diversify the outdoors movement, which is a collection of people from all over the world from these, these different collectives. Um, you know, there's, there's a group called Brown, Brown Folks Fishing, um, there's Latinx Hikers, and, and they're all united to, to try and decolonize and, and diversify the outdoors. Um, in, in specific, the winter sports area, um, there, there's a group called the Altera Mountain Club and they've, they've um, uh, launched a partnership with the non-profit, the Share Winter Foundation, and they provide grants that, that bring inner city youth to the slope so they can have an experience skiing and, um, and help to reduce some of that cost. So it's really changing in, in this area and, and the representation is changing across social media and, and across what the media is, is um, is reflecting so it's a really interesting time actually to, to be following the industry it sounds amazing i love that it's turned on its head you know when i was at college i studied with a, a guy that looked a lot about representation and he discussed just the whole concept of whiteness and i love that the the way no one thinks about whiteness but i love the way that this kind of diversify the outdoors is turning that on its head and is kind of making people recognize that we you know it belongs to us all and that um, it's open there for everybody and that we are, as you say, the visibility of that inclusivity is, is, is permeating into the general consciousness. Now, what's happening with brands that, with that, though? What interesting initiatives have you been tracking, uh, Yvonne, perhaps in the activewear space? Because um, clearly this is an opportunity too, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's also what we're seeing a lot across active and it's coming through in lots of sports like running and the outdoors is this real need for diversity and accessibility and actually acknowledging that not everyone actually wants... Those are great examples, Joe, but actually 
you can start really slow um, and maybe it's not about not like, Everest <laughs> yeah maybe it's not Everest or maybe it's not about like having to get the you know spend twelve hundred dollars to go to Whistler maybe you just go to like your local mountain um, and do um, for example one of my um, colleagues is based in Vancouver and she said one of her local mountains they actually do a ladies night um, and it's only like $20 or something to just go ski um, on a Monday night. So it's, it's interesting to see how snow sports are going to expand from the outdoors and start emerging in these really accessible ways. But in terms of brands, um, one of my favourites is actually Carrie Tra. So this was started by the uh, Norwegian Olympic um, skier, Carrie Tra. And she felt that she was never catered for as a female skier. Um, so she has created this brand that's designed by women for women um, and it's a lot more feminine it's a lot more fun um, and then there's another brand called Half Days who um, are really good at acknowledging size inclusivity and um, so they have much broader sizing and um, so it's just really think and also I think brands is a there's a lot of space for thinking about affordability um, and accessibility. And we're seeing really nice rental examples come through. Picture Organic have just started uh, doing rental schemes. So instead of buying their ski jacket, which may be about, I think about 400 euros or 300 euros, you can rent it for like 12 euros a day. So it makes these things become a lot more accessible. And did I also uh, read, Joe, that in um, the APAC region, they're sort of creating urban ski parks. So you're not going to have to make a trek to a mountain, but they're bringing them to the urbanites, if you like. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Obviously, one of the um, one of the major problems with all snow sports is the need for snow. <laughs> but with um, with technology, that's that's increasingly um, indoor skiing and, and more urban ski parks. That's becoming increasingly possible. Obviously, there is a question around the sustainability aspect of it, but um, it's it's definitely increasing inclusivity. And the kind of the thing that I would I would add to to Yvonne's um, point as well is is if you're a brand thinking about the space, um, it is a really really huge space, and there's loads of ways to get involved in a credible and authentic way. So. Um, uh, Brielle on, on the Insight team has, has been doing a little bit of work and, and has found um, a whole TikTok subculture around the shy girl movement in gyms and specifically um, people who create these workouts so you don't have to walk around the gym because lots of women feel uncomfortable walking around around a gym, especially if it's a kind of hyper-masculine um, weightlifting gym. So there's this whole community of people who are sharing these tips and sharing how to exercise in a, in a modest way, in a way that they feel comfortable. And again, that's a great entry point for a active brand to think about how you can foster and, and, um, and, and support that community. And there's also a, a whole range of different partnerships. So um, Merrill partnered with Unlikely Hikers, the, the group that we um, that we mentioned earlier, to create a whole range of, of accessible um, accessible clothing. Alpine Parrot is a um, is a really nice activewear brand that, that creates outdoor apparel from for, for women from sizes 14 to 24, specifically focused on inclusion and um, and diversity and, and sustainability. So there's lots of ways to, to uh, approach that space. And, and one of the things that, that we've been talking about um, 
is the growth of DAOs and decentralized autonomous organizations. And one of the things that, that we're telling the clients to do is, is if you're unsure about what products to create, you can kind of adopt a bit of a DAO model and reach out to different communities, reach out to different organizations and say, you know, let's start a dialogue here. What, how, how can we create products that, that will help support and, and help include, include you and foster inclusion and um, actually look at co-designing those products? Brilliant. Now, uh, I have to say, where would a shift in consumer behaviour be without a new aesthetic? And I'm kind of fascinated. We do love to talk about a something core. So tell me a little bit about Gawk Core, Joe. Yeah, so, so Gawk Core is, um, uh, I think we've probably reached um, maximum saturation. <laughs> yeah, peak, peak core, definitely. Um, it's very much driven out of the hike beast aesthetic which is, um, I'm sure you've seen, seen people wearing these in cities, it is usually a windbreaker hiking shoes or, or hybrid hiking shoes, um, hiking trousers or, or kind of very technical functional trousers. There's a real focus on functionality, um, high quality materials. Obviously, Gore-Tex is a real, real focal point and, and specifically the brand Arcteryx. There's loads and loads of memes around Arcteryx. I actually um, saw on TikTok the other day somebody wearing an Arcteryx jacket in a nightclub and then they were pouring kind of champagne and, and drinks over them to see how the jacket um, beaded. This is the big thing for this community, how the jacket beads, which is where the droplets of water roll off the Gore-Tex. And, you know, a compliment would be, oh, that's beading beautifully. So they were pouring champagne over each other to see how it beads. I'll also, uh, in, in the show notes, we'll include a, a few YouTube videos, but we're seeing Arcteryx be adopted more and more by rappers. So there's a rapper from, from Vancouver, and um, he actually, uh, in a number of his videos, is kind of rappelling down the side of a mountain wearing Arcteryx. Really different aesthetic to even five years ago, and, and the kind of imagery that we're seeing in, in rap videos Frank Ocean has been photographed wearing um, Arcteryx, wearing Gore-Tex, um, and uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of memes and there's a lot of discussion in the space. Another one of my favourite ones is, um, you know, so you're wearing Arcteryx. Well, can you name every mountain? <laughs> you know, this kind of gatekeeping of of the community that also comes. Um, around it it sounds like a lot more serious than um the thing that i always think about whenever i talk about ski wear and clothes which is obviously the last christmas video with uh, george michael frolicking in the snow but uh yeah that's <laughs> that's hilarious this is new to me i'm actually like i'm normally working within performance activewear and i'm in my little bubble and i'm like oh it's all about water column you know you need to be a get prepared against the elements i had no idea that it was about pouring drinks on yourself in the club. I mean, even in some of the videos, um, and, and we'll try and link to as many of them as we can, but in, in some of the videos, you've kind of got school children who've saved up to buy an Arcteryx jacket and they're pouring Fanta over themselves. So there's, there's a full spectrum, <laughs> but as long as it beads. Oh my God, I'm going to have to rethink so many of my reports when I'm talking about, you know, it's about weather, NASA are predict predicting, you know, a lot more unpredictable extreme weather patterns in the future, but no, it's about Fanta. Well, or will your crystal, which way does the crystal run down versus the verve? I don't know. Um... Brilliant, very apres ski. I, I'm this, I've got to look at these videos, Joe. So I, I wonder, from your perspective, 
Yvonne, where do you see this evolving, uh, this sort of GORP core? Uh, where's it going next? I know that the word that has been on everyone's lips for the last year has been the metaverse. Is there something going to, what's going to evolve there? Yeah, so one of the evolutions um, is we're calling uh, metaverse streetwear. Um, and this is really playing into the aesthetics, the sort of hyper-real, only, only found in the digital world sort of um, aesthetics we're seeing from digital artists or I- even in-game um, creations um, where the look is kind of looks quite surreal. It's maybe being styled with like really bright colour knit balaclavas um it's getting really creative um but what i think is going to be a real resource for creativity and imagination is designing within the metaverse so montclair quite recently um did a collaboration with fortnite so it was actually a three-way collaboration it was montclair with um 1017 alex 9sm i'm never sure how to pronounce but it's the matthew williams uh brand um, so they created this outerwear, which the character wears in Fortnite. And when they ascend, it changes color. Um, so it's, so this digital realm is going to allow brands to really play with what's, what's not possible in the real world, but maybe kind of bring it back and integrate it back into real life because it's just a different way of thinking, um so yeah we're going to we're anticipating really interesting aesthetics coming through i know you've just published some of your forecasts for sort of autumn winter 23 24 and there's some great sounding uh, innovations there could you talk to us about those i love the sound of digital sheen yeah so um digital sheen um has come about through these like really daydreamy aesthetics from digital designers or even things that we've seen um, through the fabricant which um, is like the digital a really good digital fashion platform at the moment Um, but we're also seeing this translate into outerwear in particular uh, and it works really well for ski so this really high shine sheen um, which has quite a luxe look too but it also is captured really nicely for your social media moments, um, which apparently, as Joe mentioned, is quite important for some mar- markets like um, the Chinese or in APAC markets. Um, so yeah, we're seeing that come through. Um, it could be using um, potentially recycled PET or maybe a laminated cotton, creating those high shine coatings. I've just got a final question here, really, uh, because obviously in terms of ski wear, there's a lot of heritage brands. It's it's uh, sort of full of, of sort of affluent heritage uh, labels, if you like. And I just wondered if you haven't yet tapped into this boom uh, and you don't want to be caught on the back foot wherever you are around the world, what would be your sort of action points or your advice? Shall we go to Joe first? I'll come at it first from a kind of consumer point of view and then, then um, you know, everyone can, can talk about it from a more um, functional fashion point of view. But 
I think, in summary, the, the areas that we've spoken about, so, so um, functionality, Gore-Tex is, is absolutely huge, as, as we've discussed. Um, you know, there's, there's a real space to win around there. There's definitely a space to win around nostalgia and, and um, harking back to the kind of early glory days um, of, of ski culture. And then also, I think, diversity, diversity and inclusion. There's um, loads of really interesting, credible ways to get involved in the space to support um, different communities to to um, foster inclusion and, and to, to weave your brand through that. It creates a really compelling narrative. Um, I'll give you one more bonus one and, and then I'll hand over. But also uh, environmentalism. You know, if you're an outdoors brand, particularly a winter sports brand, you are naturally tied to the impacts of climate change. And, um, you know, taking a stance on that, protecting the environment, protecting um, the, the nature that, that your customers enjoy is really, really important. And again, it's just a great way to, to weave your brand through a narrative, create that really compelling story and, and, um, and stand for something. Brilliant. I love that you mentioned nostalgia again, because I have heard that The House of Gucci is perhaps not a fantastic film, but the one thing that is fantastic is the ski wear with um, Lady Gaga, etc. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if anyone's seen it yet, but I'm, I'm going to watch it for the fashion. Uh, Yvonne, what's your advice to brands? Um, I mean, to heritage brands and specifically, I mean, you're, you're in a good position because you've probably got really great archives to look into, um, maybe resurrect some of those pieces to bring into that nostalgia. Um, but honestly, I would, even if you're a heritage ski brand, I think it's advice that probably applies to all outdoor and ski brands or snow sport brands um, is to really think about circularity. Um, so snowwear is it's quite a big investment for a lot of people, especially if you're a newcomer and you're trying it for the first time. Um, is perhaps either looking at entry level packages or doing, um, looking into resale of uh, your product that already exists, or maybe doing a rental model um, with kind of sustainable delivery and pickup and washing, which is all a little bit complicated. But I think when it's this sort of really heavy duty, quite high investment pieces um, that don't biodegrade very easily, they, they're a bit difficult to recycle, is really start thinking about those circular business models um, or if you want to stay premium, perhaps it's made to order. Um, modularity could be really important, perhaps like add-ons um, as you upgrade. Um, and I think it's thinking, you know, really thinking beyond, thinking about the future, thinking about digital spaces, um, thinking about inclusivity um, and much broader fits, um, I'd say, are really key. And as Joe mentioned, the Arcteryx, Fanta test is yeah really make sure that <laughs> you are ready for the elements because that's that's going to be increasingly important and perhaps you can make those pieces work on the slopes and off the slopes in the city in that way so yeah I mean clearly it, we've advanced so far in material innovation that um, it would almost be dangerous presumably to get involved in trying to get into this space unless you're sort of prepared to move with those sorts of innovative fabrics because it's got so impressive right i mean even mango the high street retailer i saw that they've got this um kind of high-end 
menswear line now that has graphene in it um, as an insulator, which is a sustainable way of doing it and it's antibacterial. So, I mean, uh, Uniqlo are another great example. They deliver quite high performance at a really affordable price. So you've got a lot of competition. So it's possible for the value market too, which is great. And it's kind of all becoming more accessible. Well, I don't know when you both last went skiing, but um, I'd love to say I'll see you on the slopes, but I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me. Um, Joe. I know you're appearing very, fairly soon to talk more about this. Can you just, uh, I'm going to let you have a little plug for your uh, talk that's coming up. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm um, talking about the outdoor industry, outdoor lifestyles at um, Outdoor Retailer on the 26th of January in, in Denver. Um, please do come along and uh, you can also book meetings uh, with me and with the WGSN team who are there. So um, that can all be done through the Outdoor Retailer platform. So please do do that and we can uh, we can have a catch up. And um, if you are a subscriber, I know that we've got a great Outdoor Boom webinar on the site But uh, thanks, Yvonne and Joe, for spending time with me today. That was really good fun. I'm going to go and listen to Last Christmas now, even though it's January. Thank you to Joe McDonald and Yvonne Kostiak for taking time to speak to us today. If you're a WGSN subscriber, you'll find reports covering many of the issues we touched upon on our Insight and Fashion platform. I'd also like to remind you that Joe will be appearing at Outdoor Retailer. You can find out how to watch his presentation at outdoorretailer.com, but he's appearing on Wednesday, 26th of Jan at 11am. If you want to find out how to subscribe, head over to wgsn.com to discover how you can get access to our service. We're constantly publishing new content focusing on how we can design a brighter, better future for our industries, including food and drink, consumer tech, interiors, beauty and fashion. You can subscribe to the show on all major podcast platforms. And if you like what you've heard, why not leave us a rating and review on iTunes? I'd also like to thank our podcast producer, Roland Bodenham, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.